Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Man, I do not know where you are listening to this right now, but I am listening. Um, I'm not listening. I'm talking from my home studio recording today. And on this particular day, it is beautiful. It's been beautiful here in Metro Atlanta, Georgia, where I live in the United States. And it's been really, really nice. I hear that there is some rain and some cold weather coming in. But this nice tease in early March 2021 has been really fantastic. Even got to sit out by the pool the other day with my gorgeous wife and uh, just soak in some rays, talk about the Lord, the kingdom, our lives, our family, our kids. And uh, I love this time of year. You know, people talk about what season they like best. For me, it's a no-brainer. I am a spring and summer dude. Um, I love the beginning of fall, but I usually get tired of fall because it immediately turns into winter, and I do not like winter. Not my favorite season, and uh, for those of you that are listening in parts of the country where it's snowy and beautiful and white winter wonderland kind of stuff, and you love all that, God bless you. I am uh, not going to fellowship with over with you over that kind of um, that kind of nonsense because snow, I do not believe, um, is meant for me. I like pictures of snow, but I don't like the feel of it. I don't like what it comes with, and so I am enjoying right now here in sunny Atlanta. Um, some nice 70 plus degree temperatures with beautiful sunshine. Um, it's a, it, it helps the outlook. I don't know about you, but I think the weather affects our outlook on life. Um, we are, you know, we're fallible creatures. That means that we are subject to certain things that can bring about weakness in us. And I'll be the first to admit when it goes day after day for a week or more with a gray skies, cold weather, ugly wind and rain and all that stuff. It does not help me mentally. And so when spring comes, I just feel like everything cheers up. Everything comes back to life. Soon we're going to start seeing green grass again and green leaves and blossoms and blooms and all of that stuff. I'm just digging it. And uh, so I'm in a good mood today. I hope you are too. When I'm thinking about my outlook, when I'm thinking about my mental attitude, when I'm thinking about what I'm projecting um, as a follower of Jesus to those around me, um, I try to stay aware of what's coming off of my life. Um, my family is really, really good about bearing with me. And then ultimately <laughs> when they can bear it no more, one or more of them will say, Hey dad, or Hey Jeff, um, I don't know what's going on in you, but what's coming off of you isn't really a proper reflection of who you are in Jesus and you're not being yourself. And so I have to do some checkups from the neck up from time to time and have to recognize that, um, you know, there's a lot of factors in life that affect our moods, affect our attitudes. Um, I believe in a difference between the soul and the spirit. And if I'm living from my soul, it's shaky ground because the soul can be a roller coaster. But if I'm living from the spirit, the spirit man in me, which is under the yoke with Jesus um, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, then I'm doing really good. Um, can I make a confession? That's right. I'm Mavericks and Misfits confession by Jeff Lyle. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I have not been operating like I should be. Um, we have gone through so much transition. Many of you know we had a death in the family. Amy's uh, father passed away after a long battle. And um, then that very same week, I'm starting at a new church. I'm relocating my office. I'm getting to know my staff and just 
we had a whirlwind of stuff going on and I, I was fairly convinced that I was staying close to the Lord and in communication and in communion with him. And although I was praying and I was praying regularly throughout the day, I was praying as I go. And if you know anything about that, so as I'm driving, I'm praying while I'm walking, I'm praying while I am, you know, busying myself with duties that I have to do. I'm praying, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm praying in English. I'm praying in my heart. Um, but what I wasn't doing is getting those long consecrated hours that, um, I've become accustomed to that afford me the ability just to sit in the presence of God and, and soak there. And of course the negligence of that, um, led to uh, ramifications in it. And so I found myself getting kind of uh, edgy, a little hostile in traffic on one particular day where a dude intentionally cut me off. And uh, I didn't respond like Jesus would. If Jesus was driving a truck in Metro Atlanta, he would have responded differently than I did. And um, ultimately, you know, I got started getting convicted. And so yesterday, I just asked my family to give me a few hours by myself with, with the Lord while they went out. And uh, he brought me into his presence again. And I asked him to disclose my heart to me and show me what's been going on and wh why I'm edgy like I am. And you know, I think during the week I would have blamed it on people and blamed it on things and blamed it on circumstances. But ultimately, uh, nobody is given the job on earth to tend to my own heart except me. I mean, the fact of the matter is nobody ruins my day. Nobody has that power. Nobody steals my hope. They don't actually have that power. And in spite of what I did in traffic the other day, nobody really gets to make me angry or rob me of my joy. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm fully capable of doing all of that stuff well on my own if I choose to. So I'd like to step up today and say in this episode that um, when my day's ruined, when I'm afraid or when I'm angry or when my mood is foul, um, neither you nor anybody else gets the credit because if that happens, I alone welcomed that sorry reality to grasp my attitude. And when that happens, then I, I run downhill with it. Look, fear and stress can be a reality for, for you and for me. And, you know, we have difficult people in our lives. That's, you're, that's not unique to you. Difficult personalities got all cranked up in, in the Garden of Eden's paradise. And um, those difficult, difficult personalities abide with us still. And human selfishness has been an open door for our own anger throughout the entire history of mankind. And we're living in a pretty stressed out generation. A lot of stuff going on. We've got coronavirus. We've got a new government. We've got political, you know, friction that never, ever ends. I've never seen the political intensity and division like I am um, right now. And so this unrestrained restrained political chaos is swirling about. And it's almost like an atmospheric doom smog all around us. And I, I just would have to say that those are not excuses for my attitude being less than what Christ empowers. And so it's, it's high time that we quit looking for somewhere to offload the responsibility for our less than courageous attitudes and our, our, our beneath the dignity of Jesus outlooks. Now, why am I saying these kind of things with boldness? Well, let me give you a verse that anchors me, not angers me, but anchors me. It serves as an anchor in my life. 
And the reason why I can say that you have to take ownership of your attitude and I have to take ownership of my attitude. And if I'm afraid or angry or irritable or depressed, and I want to be careful there because I've been depressed both as a non-Christian and as a Christian, I've experienced it. And so I don't want to be insensitive, but I do want to be, I want to be truthful that ultimately I don't have the right to be depressed. I don't have the right to be angry. I don't have the right to be fearful. I don't have the right to live in any version of my flesh. Why? Well, let me give you Isaiah 26, three, you'll know this verse. And it's one that, um, when I sign copies of figuring it out as I go and, uh, people are getting my book, I always write a little note in there and I write my name and I put Isaiah 26, three under it. And the verse says you keep him or her, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I just want you to get that very simple but potent truth from Isaiah 26.3. It's a, it's a message. It's a word to God, a, a statement of truth towards God. God, you keep that person in perfect peace when he or she fixes his or her mind on you because he or she trusts in you. That's the amplification of it. You keep him in perfect perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so I'm a little bit of a a logistical dude. When I see a truth like that, and I see that promise of perfect peace. Now I want you to think about that. That's in the word of God. The word of God is always true. The word of God is the authority in my life. The word of God is full of invitation. And here's a verse that is a statement of truth but it also feels like an invitation, an invitation to what? Perfect peace. Now guys, think about that in a hostile, angry, divided, chaotic, fearful, um, resentful, bitter, entitled generation where, I mean, it doesn't take much to trigger somebody in that kind of daily atmosphere in which you are living. The Bible says, oh, you can have perfect peace if you want it. And so my antenna goes up and I say, oh, I want that. Lord, now that I know it's available and I'm reminded again that it's available, I really, really sense in my soul that I want that. So I need to appropriate it with my spirit if I'm going to feel it in my soul. Feel what? Perfect peace. And perfect peace is far more than an emotion. The emotion is glorious, but you can't have the emotion of peace in your soul if you don't have the fruit of peace in your spirit. And so I'm thinking about how I have historically, and I'm just going to assume some of you might, this might resonate with some of you. How, how have I, how have I come up short of this perfect peace that God says is mine if I want it? Well, it, it boils down to me not fixating my mind on God. That's what the scripture says. Remember the verse whose mind is stayed on you or fixated on you because he trusts in you. So the Christian that trusts in God must fixate his or her mind on God. Now that sounds simple enough, but the problem is, is your mind is bombarded every day with massive streams of influence that do not source themselves in God. 
Therefore, these streams that flow into your mind and into mine don't bring perfect peace. They bring something less or something different or something in opposition to perfect peace. And so the onus, the responsibility is on us to fixate our minds on God. Now that may need to be a a separate podcast, but let me, let me just tell you some things. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking through our lives together and I'm thinking, I'm just going to speak about me and you can apply it to you if you want. But when, when I nurse fear and allow it to grow within my heart, my mind is not fixed on God. When I am preoccupied with the fear, that fear grows. What you stare at grows in the spirit. And so when I nurse fear, when I rehearse it over in my mind, all that could go wrong, all that has gone wrong, all that might go wrong, what it does is it grows. It actually metastasizes like cancer in the spirit realm. And it grows within our hearts. And this happens if we go long periods of time and our mind is not intentionally fixated on God. If I'm, if I'm inwardly scrambling and my thoughts and my emotions, and I'm trying to solve problems that haven't even actually arrived yet, my mind is not fixed on God. You know, there's a fine line between being responsible versus being obsessive compulsive. And the obsessive compulsive person hasn't got his or her mind fixed on God. Therefore, they lack peace. I want to be responsible. I want to plan. I want to prepare. But guys, you can cross the line of being responsible and being a person who prepares. And you can actually enter into the scrambling state of mind and your heart where you're, you're trying to solve problems that haven't even arrived yet. And when that happens, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fixating my mind on God. Or if I'm frustrated that my needs aren't being met by others in my life, there's a big one. If I'm frustrated that my wife or my children or my partners in ministry or my government or somebody, a friend or somebody, when I'm frustrated that they're not meeting my needs, I promise you my mind's not fixed on God because God said that he's the source of my needs getting met. And while there are reasonable expectations that we have of one another, if I let my internal peace be dependent upon how others are interacting with me, do you realize the great power I'm giving those people? Even people that I love. So my peace can't be from the consistency of others in my life because people are inconsistent. I don't want anybody fixating their peace on me because I'm inconsistent at times. And so if I'm frustrated or angry or hurt, that others aren't meeting my needs in my life, my mind's not fixed on God, and therefore I don't have perfect peace that God says I can have. Or maybe it's unjust circumstances. Maybe I've been done wrong, and that wrongdoing tempts me toward bitterness. And I'm rehearsing what the person said, what the person did, how that made me feel how they seem so cavalier or flippant or ignorant of the fact that what they did or said negatively impacted me. Or maybe it's something more intense. Maybe it's a real situation of abandonment or betrayal or abuse or a crime or a a slandering and something that kind of bruised my soul um, or your soul. I, I can tell you that'll tempt you towards bitterness. And when bitterness is nursed in my heart. My mind is not fixated on God and I can't have perfect peace. I I preach a lot, teach a lot, speak a lot and counsel a lot on this issue of bitterness because I do believe it is probably one of the top three weapons that Satan uses against Christians. 
And I know disciplined people that love the word. They love to pray. They love evangelism. They love the Lord. They, they like to study scripture and share scripture. They like to write songs and sing songs. They like to do life with Christians, but, um, there's a place in their heart that is yellow with bitterness and they don't have perfect peace. They have to suppress or ignore that, that thump in their heart, that thud of conviction. And when God starts dealing with them about their bitterness, um, they lose that perfect peace because they feel like they have the right to be bitter or angry against the person that did them wrong. And they don't live in perfect peace that is promised to them. Um, think about this. When, when some people lose peace, it's because they've allowed anxiety over their material needs or future provisions and when they allow anxiety over material needs or future provisions to undermine their present trust my mind their mind is not fixed on god remember it says you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixated on you because he trusts in you so to trust in god is connected to us fixating our minds on God. But if I am constantly toiling in my spirit over material needs or future provision or resources, and my present trust is getting undermined because that orphan spirit is trying to creep up and, and tell me God's not going to come through or that God loves the other people more and he's going to give his extra special precious children what they need, but he's going to leave me hanging. That's a mind that's not fixed on God and I don't have peace. Could be this issue when you feel the unhealthy need for the approval of somebody else, that you need their affirmation, you need their approval, you need their appreciation, you need their applause, and it grows to an unhealthy need so that it changes your behavior in order to receive those things from them. That's a mind that is not fixed on God. Um, I think we're supposed to be nice to each other. I think we're supposed to serve each other. I think we're supposed to love each other. But guys, there is um, this thing called codependency that is really, really a, a blight on the church where people are so wounded that they're scrambling around looking for affirmation and approval and applause from other human beings. And so in order to get it, they change who they are in order to please people. And that's not something that God endorses. God doesn't endorse a lifestyle of people pleasing when you constantly have to undermine your identity in Jesus in order to get the approval of others. And that only occurs when your mind's not fixated on God and you've, you've lost your peace, your perfect peace. Or maybe it's the other end of the spectrum when, when I'm the person and I seek to predict or control the, the behavior of those whom I distrust. When I try to anticipate the next move of my enemy, when I do that, when I'm fixated on those that oppose me or, or those that I distrust, my mind's not fixed on God. Do you realize how many Christians spent 2020 with no peace of God because they were consumed with the behavior and the politics of those with whom they disagree politically? And Christian relationships were sacrificed on the altar of American politics, and some of those relationships are permanently ruined. Why? Because people weren't fixating on God. They were fixating on a couple of political parties or a couple of political candidates. And they started distrusting the other side of the aisle, people with whom they're going to spend eternity because they are all born again through the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet because of political differences and passionate views that are in opposition to each other, um, 
and the fact that they couldn't convince or sway or control the other person who disagrees with them, they started getting paranoid and getting consumed with Facebooks. I call them face hooks where you just boom an uppercut to the jaw with a verbal slam on Facebook. And uh, that's a mind that's not fixed on God. One of the greatest moves that God led me to make, I can't even take credit for it. It was the Holy Spirit, but it was to get off uh, social media and quit reading the news. And that was in about September of 2020. And I just said, whew, I am done with this because I could feel the toxic smog getting in my soul. And it was hard for a minute because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be informed. But what was informing me was poisoning me. And it was making me look at, you know, people that I'm in covenant with and fellowship with through Christ. And I was seeing all their political junk they're posting. I realized, oh, I'm going to have a hard time loving this person if I uh, keep reading all their nastiness. And so I just said, I'm done. I cut myself off. Why? Because if I seek and to predict and control the behavior of those whom I'm beginning to distrust, and when I'm trying to anticipate what they're going to say or do, my mind is not fixed on God, and I can't have the perfect peace that he promises me. I'm Here's some easy ones. When I'm, when I'm prayerless, my mind is not fixed on God. Um, we're not just supposed to think on God. We're supposed to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so my mind has to be given to communion with God. And if I'm prayerless, my mind's not fixed on God. Listen, some of us are too busy and we're so busy. We're not praying and we're wondering where'd our peace go? Well, your peace was attached to your prayer life. And when your prayer life sinks, so does your sense of peace. And so also, I, th I think we, we undermine peace when we, we speak doom and gloom. I mean, some people don't realize how much word curse comes out of their mouth and they're just saying stuff left and right. My wife, Amy, has really helped me with this over the last several years and just to, to be constantly aware of what comes out of my mouth. And if I allow despair and negativity and, you know, doom um, to, you know, perpetually flavor what comes out of my mouth, that's not a mind that's fixed on God. Um. <laughs> Here's something I've been guilty of in years gone by. Not so much recently, but in years gone by. If I, if I read my Bible and I think of how what I am reading speaks to the deficiencies of other people and I don't first consider my own need to change, that's a mind that's not fixed on God. When, when, you're, thinking, when you're reading your Bible and it's always talking to you about other people and, and the Lord never pierces your heart about with what, with what you're reading, your mind's not fixed on him. You're reading the words of his, of his book but you, you aren't communing with him as the author because he will always apply conviction to you before he speaks to you about other people. And, and so if I'm constantly aware of what it's, Jesus said it this way, why do you have a, why do you trying to pull the speck out of your brother's eye when you got a two by four in your eye? He says, first pull the two by four out of your eye, and then you're fit to address the speck that's in your brother's eye. And so Jesus's teaching is, um, basically in the kingdom of God, listen for God's voice to you first before you, you start applying what he says to other people and giving yourself a free pass. Because when your mind's fixed on God, he'll talk to you a lot about your sin, but he won't condemn you. He'll just say, Hey, look, this is getting in the way. The reason why you don't have peace is because you're, you're harboring this issue in your life. When I'm unthankful, my mind's not fixed on God. When I ignore the call to invest my time and my money, my energy and ongoing kingdom endeavors. My mind's not fixed on God. If I'm unthankful or if I'm unwilling to invest my time, my money and my energy in the kingdom of God, then my mind cannot be said to be fixed on God. 
If I lie to myself and I believe that I can find fulfillment in this world and all of its treasures, that's because my mind in that moment is not fixed on God. Matter of fact, when my thoughts are on me and mine, my mind is not fixed on God. And Isaiah 26, 3 says, God will keep in perfect peace the person whose mind is fixed on God because when our mind is fixed on God, we trust God. So peace is connected to trust. And, you know, I'm, I've been praying every day for months and months and months for greater faith. And faith is just another way of saying trust. Trust God. You know a lot about God. Trust him in everything you know about him. And so when I'm reading these verses as I'm wrapping up, I learn that the thing upon which I most often think does become my eventual master. I want you to hear that. That's a kingdom principle. The thing upon which you most often think eventually becomes your master. And so, look, my list could go on and on, but I think we all get the picture. And so what we're doing is we find ourselves looking in the mirror again and recognizing our need for spiritual growth and depth as Jesus followers. And you're probably honest enough to see some of these same needs I've mentioned in your own life. And so for, for people like you and people like me, the verse in Isaiah that we read is so important. He keeps us in perfect peace. Don't miss that. That's, a, that's an offer. That's an invitation. That's a promise. It, God says, I will keep you in a state of perpetual perfect peace if you will fixate your mind on me, not give your mind to other things. It doesn't mean you don't acknowledge those other things. It's just that you don't let them master you. You know, I, I can, I can watch a dog walking down the street without putting a leash on and becoming like a dog. I, I, I can acknowledge that there are things that are happening without giving myself to them. And so while I want to acknowledge that the world is in bad shape, and while I want to acknowledge that coronavirus is a mess, while I want to acknowledge that the government's an even bigger mess, I want to acknowledge all of that stuff, but I'm not going to give myself to any of that. Why? Because it's beneath the dignity of who we are in Jesus Christ. And I refuse to give myself to lesser loyalties. And so Isaiah 26, three tells us that, but it's very interesting for us. Um, the, the verse in Isaiah that follows the one that I've been reading, uh, Isaiah 26, four, it's also good for us to embrace as we move forward. This is, <laughs> here's something. The very next verse tells you what to fixate your mind on. So Isaiah 26, three says that he'll keep them in perfect peace if they'll fix their mind on him because they'll trust in him. And then Isaiah 26, four says, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He is worthy of our trust. And so as you go into your prayer closet, as you go into communion with the Lord, as you ponder what you've heard in today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits, I want to encourage you. You just need to grow in trust. You don't need 50 more spiritual gifts. I love spiritual gifts. We should pursue them. We should go after them. But you, you, your sense of peace is not because you're missing a gift. It's not because you're in the wrong church. It's not because you're married to the wrong person. It's not because you're single. The lack of peace comes because we have failed to fixate our minds on the glorious goodness of God who is worthy of our trust because he's an everlasting rock. So maybe today 
Uh, we've reoriented you as we've challenged you, and I hope that you'll consider what's being said. You know, my time's gone. I want to continue. Help us um, continue to spread the word. Tell people about Mavericks and Misfits. You'll do me a favor. I'm not asking you for money. I'm not, I don't mind if you pray, but I'm not even asking you to pray. I'm asking you to put some shoe leather on this. Help us get the word out. We want to teach people. We want to reach people. This is 100% give. Mavericks and Misfits is 100% give. We don't need anything. We're just asking for your help to help us connect with more people that we can give unto. And uh, by doing that, you can rate and review us wherever you listen to this podcast on iTunes or wherever. Rate and review us. Take literally take two minutes of your time and help Jeff Lyle out. Rate and review the podcast and um, maybe even tell people about it. You can share it on your social media. And if you particularly um, like something you heard or dislike something you heard, man, reach out to me. My, my email address, I'm putting it right here. It comes right to me. Jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Real easy. Jeff at maverickmisfit.com. And so email me. Let me know that you're listening. Tell me what you'd like to hear an episode about. I'm wide open. We don't have this like really tight agenda. We just want to get um, gospel truth out. And so most weeks I just share whatever's pounding on my heart at that time. And so listen, my time's gone today. Thanks for tuning in. If you want more information about who we are and what we do at Maverick Misfits, then uh, go to transformingtruth.org. That's our umbrella ministry, transformingtruth.org. You can find video, audio, blogs. You can find um, my social media links and lots of stuff to strengthen you in the faith. And uh, listen, my time's gone, so I will talk to you the very next time. God bless. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography, titled Figuring It Out As I Go, shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned to childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.